0: Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, evangelist TJ Malkanji. Let's get into it. The force of faith, how to increase your faith. One thing that is imperative for a believer is to understand that God will allow what you allow to happen. If you don't understand that concept, what I'm about to preach on today is not going to make much sense to you. But you have to come to an understanding that God is going to allow in your life what you allow to take place in your life. You know, if I wanted to go and take 360 for the next 300 days just to go and shoot up heroin in my arm, God's not going to stop that from happening. I I can go and do that because I have something called freedom of choice and my own willpower. And your human willpower is one of the most powerful forces on earth and in the universe. You're either, why? Because you can either lend that willpower to the devil to accomplish his purposes. You can keep that willpower for yourself. And try and get things done for yourself, which you're very gonna, you're going to be very limited in that. You know, that's where the world stops. They say, believe in yourself. If you can just believe in yourself strong enough, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, that does allow to a certain degree. God has, uh, you know, fashioned us and designed us and wired us for that to, 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 to have some value to, to that statement. And if you believe in yourself, you can get things done. However, you're going to be very limited in scope as to what you'll be able to get done. And then thirdly, you can lend your willpower or direct your willpower to what God desires done in your life and what God's will is for you, outlined as in His Word. And you know, we can read it in, um, we can read it right now in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, let me show you an example of lending your willpower to God's willpower to get the impossible done. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. Welcome back, everybody. Good evening from South Africa. Johan, God bless you, man. Richard Curtis, good morning. Hernando from Mississippi, God bless you. If you haven't taken a moment yet, do it. Share the broadcast. Let's get this word out to as many people as possible. So happy to be back. I'm excited. I am excited. By the way, before I forget, tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific time, I'm going to be on the broadcast with Isaiah Saldivar um, on his... um, His broadcast, his stream. So if you haven't liked his page, go and do so. Isaiah Saldivar, he's on YouTube as well. Subscribe there. And we're going to be joining him tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. And that would be 6 6 p.m. Pacific. And it's going to be a very powerful broadcast. We're going to be preaching and uh, exploring the topic of miracles and how to receive a miracle and how to get, you know, how to receive physical healing especially. We're going to pray for all the sick. So if you're sick or you know someone who is sick and they've been given up by doctors or whatnot, I'd encourage you to get them on that broadcast. I, maybe they're, they're in a hospital, and because of COVID, you can't even get to them. But let me tell you, the Word of God will not be kept in chains, and we can get that Word into their spirits. The Bible says, if you keep my Word ever before your eyes, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. The Word of God, Psalm 107 and verse 20, the Bible says, He sent forth His Word, and it healed them and delivered them from all their troubles so the word of god carries within itself the capacity to heal restore and deliver from sickness and disease so i would encourage you to get that um whatever, however you want to do it notify them when we go live send them the stream and uh, we're believing God for, I'm believing God for hundreds of testimonies. He's been able to reach on average anywhere between 2,500 to 4,000 live viewers, live. That's not counting replay. Some of his videos have gone to 200,000 views and, uh, and beyond. So I believe that we're going to see hundreds of people healed immediately on the spot. And um, that's what I'm setting my faith for. So join with me. Tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Isaiah's broadcast. First John chapter 5 and verse 4. Whatsoever is born of God. That means if you're saved, that's the thing you have to also get said in your spirit. Before I move on, faith and the operation of faith is not reserved for a few select individuals. I'm not against people contacting me if they need help praying. I'm not against that. I'll do it. Absolutely. I love people. I'll do anything I can to help them. However, You have, as a born-again believer, you have direct access to the things of God, to the power of God. And you know, Paul says in Romans 10 that that power is not some far-off thing. That power is not somewhere in the heavens where it's unattainable and unreachable. That power is in your heart and in your mouth. The power, the unlimited power of faith is in your heart, but it won't do you any good if it remains just in your heart. You have to learn how to turn that faith loose out of your heart. You remember what Jesus said in Mark 11:22 and 23. He said, if you'll have the faith of God, if you'll have, another translation says it, the God kind of faith, you'll be able to say to the mountain, So it's not enough just to have that faith resident in your heart. You have to learn how to release that faith by the words that you speak. And Jesus defines what will happen if you'll do that. If you will speak to the mountain, not keep quiet and wish that thing away. You can't wish things away in life. That's why I started off by saying, uh, God will allow what you allow, because people, Christians especially, are masterful at relegating their defeat to God. Well, you know, God allowed it. That's why this continued to be like that. Well, God, you know, God, God obviously saw fit for it to happen. That's why it happened. That's not true, because if you study it, even in the times when Israel um, was under a theocracy, pretty much God was ruling them, God was leading them, They, the people, began to demand for a king. God's perfect will was for the people of Israel, the children of God on the earth, to be led by himself, for him, you know, his law, the Ten Commandments, his Deuteronomy, all that, to be the the law of the land. But they started to call out and cry out for a leader, a king, because other nations had their own kings. They wanted their own king. What did God do? No, that's not my will. We're not going to do that. No, he actually told Samuel, that's what the people want. Then I'll allow it. Let them have a king. And Saul came in and then after David and so on and so forth. But God's perfect will was for himself to lead Israel without a king. That it would be a prophet hearing from God. Multiple prophets hearing from God. And uh, that being how, how things would, would be directed on the earth for, for Israel. But they demanded a king and God gave them a king. Same goes in, in, uh, in many many stories throughout the scripture. You can see. Throughout the scriptures, that man wanted one thing and God said, have at it, have at it. You know, David wanted to call for a a census in the land. Did God prevent it from happening? No. God allowed David to do that, even though it wasn't his will. That's what you call sin. Sin. The root word for sin, sin in the Greek is harmatia. And that is um, actually a picture of a target and you missing the target. So you're not hitting the bullseye. That's what harmatia means. It's missing the bullseye. It's not getting it almost right. I mean, it's 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 getting it almost right. It's like you, it's not that you missed the target all in itself, but you haven't hit the bullseye. That's what harmatia is, and that's why that's the word for sin throughout the Bible. So you can see that there are people who they throughout scripture got things almost right. And in others who got it totally wrong, and all of it was classified as sin. That's why Romans 12 says we are to prove what is that perfect will of God. Not not just uh, a permissive will, it's a perfect will. There is a perfect will. God has a permissive will. He'll allow you to do certain things. But if you'll get something in your heart today from the Word of God, couple that, let the unlimited power of faith begin to conceive what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has not entered the heart of God, out of the, into the heart of man, into your heart. You'll begin to speak those things forth and you can actually see God's will done for you on the earth. You can see, you can see a life. You don't have to live depressed the rest of your life. You can have a life filling and overflowing with joy. You don't have to live the rest of your life sick and bound by disease. You can live a life with God's health and vitality running through your body so that the anointing of health is not only enough for you to stay healthy, but there's an overflow of that. And you're going around doing what the Bible commands us to do, to lay hands on the sick and see, see them recover. That You have to start envisioning that for your life. Whatever you can't picture, whatever you can't see in your mind from the scriptures, you'll never hold in your hand. You'll never see it in life you need to picture it in your spirit i envision myself as a as a healthy strong person even into my 80s and 90s still preaching the gospel i envision i don't see myself in a sick bed i don't see myself in a coffin i don't see myself uh you know be, being bound to a hospital bed by IV. I, and then, if that is you, if that's your actual real state right now, you don't have to envision yourself like that, even though that's the way it is right now. You can start to see and picture the health of God going through your body. Picture yourself riding a horse. Picture yourself traveling the world. Picture yourself running a marathon if that's you and you're sick in your body. You know, Dodie Osteen, John Osteen's wife, who's still alive today, she's like 89 or 90. And uh, there was a time at 40 years old, I believe, 44 years old, she was diagnosed with metastatic cancer of the liver. And she was given six weeks to live. She wasn't going to make it. She had a death warrant issued out for her life, an appointment with death prematurely. And uh, she could have done what most people did. You know, let's prepare our house. Let me say my goodbyes. Let me call everyone I know and just believe the report of a doctor. But instead, she did what Isaiah Chapter 53 says, Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? She believed the report of the Lord. She knew that man doesn't have the final say. A doctor's report is not the final say. God has the final say in everything in my life. God's word is the the, uh, foundational word for my life. And if anything comes around me or in front of me, or behind me that contradicts this word. I'm going to take up the word of God, speak it, and enforce that will on the earth. Jesus said, "Not to, you know, whatever happens, just just know that in in the next life things will get better for you." Jesus said, "You are to pray, My will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not a different will. Is there sickness in heaven? No." So you can know God's will is that there's no sickness in your body here on the earth. So she believed that. What did she do? She put up pictures in her house of her riding horses, everything she loved to do that required strength to do. She would put up pictures everywhere around her walls. She took down every mirror so that she didn't have to see herself because she was getting very thin. And she began to stand on the word of God. Confess the word of God. You know, the Bible says Abraham, even though his body was as good as dead, and Sarah's womb was 90 years old. There was cobble webs, There was spider webs accumulating in that womb. There hadn't been any action in that womb in a lot of years. There had, never. It had never conceived anything. And instead of looking to the negative circumstance, instead of focusing on what things weren't working, He directed his his eyes, his focus, his heart towards the word of God. And what happened? The Bible says, he believed him who raises the dead and what? Calls those things which be not as though they were. What did God do with Abraham when he he said, I'm going to give you a child? Well, uh, Lord, I'm like 90 something years old. How can that be? What did God do? He said, you're not going to call yourself Abram anymore. You're going to start calling yourself Abraham, a father of a multitude of nations. So God first got him to change his confession about himself. Stop calling yourself by what you were, what you are now. Begin to call yourself um, based on what you desire to be as outlined in the word of God. Don't call yourself cursed. There's too many... Christians that call themselves cursed. They're, I have a generational curse. I have they're so cursed conscious, they don't even they wouldn't know the blessing if it hit them in the face. Begin to be blessing aware. I'm blessed. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And the blessing of Abraham is on my life. The Bible says in Psalm 112, how blessed, how cursed. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants, not only am I blessed, my descendants, my child, my future children are going to be blessed on the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. The scripture says the Lord will be mindful of you and he shall bless you and your children and your children's children. The Bible says a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. My great grandchildren will be blessed. They will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, as we serve God, we're going to see the blessing unfold in every aspect of life. I mean, you have to think of it this way. There are people that are so conscious. Of the devil's presence in their life. You know, every time I go to bed, I shut my eyes. I just feel a demonic presence and stuff. And I'm sure there are people who do feel that. But there has to be a point where you stop thinking like that. And you start to quote the word that God's angels encamp around those that fear him. I'm not aware of demons around me. No. First of all, they can't even approach me because the Bible says no evil shall approach you. But I make it a point in my spirit, in my heart, to be angel conscious. I'm aware of the angels around me. I've got angels behind me, before me, beside me. Even Jesus said, My angels shall go before thee and make every crooked place straight. The Bible says, He shall give His angels charge concerning you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. If you can see in the Spirit, I've got two massive 10-foot angels next to me. That there is a, in a, a devil... Or a demon that even has the audacity to challenge me. Because where I go, I've got protective barriers surrounding me everywhere I go. I'm aware of that. I'm not I'm not demon conscious. I'm not going around, uh, ah, you know, there's a principality of uh this in that region, so we should be there's a r- real strong witch witchcraft stronghold in that region. Maybe there is, but the moment I get there. What does the scripture say in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4? Does it say you should fear evil spirits, little children, because the Holy Spirit, he was on the earth during the days of the apostle, but now he's been translated into heaven, and he'll come back again one day with Jesus, but until then you're you're pretty much left to fend for yourself? Or does the scripture say, do not fear evil spirits, little children, there are many antichrist spirits in this world. There are there are one third of the demons of the angels of heaven fell and are now demons, and uh, have assignments by hell to destroy, steal, and kill. But I'm not going to focus on one third that fell. I've got two thirds of the angels that still stand by me. Hallelujah. Stop having this mentality, victim mentality, that there's more against me than there are for me. No, do not fear them, little children, because greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. The greater one lives in me. I want you to write that out in the comment section. The greater one lives in me. Write it out, another thing, write out. There are more for me than there are against me. Hallelujah. Man, I miss doing these. I miss speaking the word of the Lord to you guys. It's a joy for me. Because what I'm seeing right now, and though I might not see you face to face currently, hopefully one day we'll be able to meet, what I'm seeing is light bulbs coming on in your spirits, in your eyes. I'm seeing fear dissipate and dissolve, and I'm seeing faith coming as you hear the word of God. And as faith comes, what I was about to read, This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Faith is an asset of inestimable value. You cannot afford to be faithless on the earth. That's why I commend you, because you're tuned in right now. This is an action that you've taken, and I'm going to discuss it a little later. This is an action that you've taken to build your faith. You know, what did Jesus do when Peter... Said, if everyone is made to stumble, I'll never stumble. I'll still stand by you. What did Jesus say? This very night, you're gonna stumble. But I have prayed. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. If you live life ignorant that there is a true, there is a real devil. People love to blame God for everything going on in their life, but in reality, if there's anything that John ten ten steals, joy, peace. Health, finances, if there's anything that steals, if there's anything that kills, if there's anything that destroys, you can know that that's the thief that has come to do those things. But bless God, Jesus didn't stop there. He said, But I have come so that you can have life and have life to the fullness. Life more abundantly. The Bible says the thief, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. You know what that tells you? There are people who he has free access to come in and devour, and then there's other people he can't even come near their dwelling place. Why? Why? Why are there people that walk in total dominion over sickness, disease, poverty, lack, sin, and evil spirits. And then there's others, Christian, they're saved, they're going to heaven. But it seems like their life is helter skelter. It's like they're chicken running around without a head, not knowing where they're just aimlessly drifting through life, hoping that one day they'll be founded and grounded and established. Because some people have taken time to develop that faith. And I'm not talking about the faith that's in the mind. There's a lot of people who they have mental assent. What is mental assent? They agree that the word is true. They agree with the inerrancy of the scriptures. They agree that the word is infallible and above reproach, that there's no error in it. But just agreeing does not constitute Bible faith. The demons, they believe, and they still shudder. They agree that one day they're going to be locked up in an everlasting burning furnace and never have a way of escape. But yet, it didn't change anything for them. It's not enough just to agree that something's true. I agree (laughs) that if I start going to the gym more often, I'm going to get more fit, and I'm going to have better cardiovascular Uh, flow and I'm gonna have probably a a more energy infused life if I go to the gym more often and eat less McDonald's then I agree I'm going to probably shed some pounds and look more fit I agree with those things but do I have faith to go ahead and do them no because I still don't go to the gym and I still consume McDonald's so that shows you you can agree with something Being true, but not take any actionable steps towards that thing. And that's where I believe a lot of people are captured. That's where I believe a lot of Christians are stuck. Well, I agree. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals. Have you called for the elders of the church to anoint you with oil, to pray the prayer of faith? Well, no, I mean, you know, I think God sees my heart. Yeah, He sees your heart. And your heart, the Bible says, as in water a face reflects face, so a man's actions reveal his heart. The Bible says, the Lord God is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Actions are weighed. John 2, the wedding of Cana of Galilee. Jesus, we have no more wine. Well, fill the water pots with water. Uh, did you did you not hear me correctly? I didn't say we, we're lacking water. I said we're lacking wine. Fill the water pots with water. Could you imagine them that day? getting? And those weren't like little tiny buckets. Those were massive. I, I don't know if they're like 20 or 30 gallon pots. Stone pots. And they had to not turn on a faucet to let the water start flowing. They had to actually get to... The water source, so whether it be a well or some sort of pump, who knows? And they have to pump that water or they have to extract the water from the well and fill it. Six of them might have taken them several hours. Maybe a full day to do that. And I'm sure thoughts ran through their mind. What the heck are we doing? I I mean, this guy has lost his, his marbles. We don't need water, we need wine. Just do it. There was something in them that convicted convicted and convinced them that if we did this God would if we took this small step God would do the big the big thing if that's what faith is faith is taking little steps that ensure God's intervention to do the rest faith is taking a little step based on the word of God that ensures God God's intervention to do the rest how do we know that Moses, have you taken us out of Egypt to die here in this wilderness? And not not only that, there's a massive sea before us and the Egyptians are chasing us on our tail. God, what are we to do? The Lord, what did he reply? Just stand back. I'm sovereign. If I want this to open, I'll let it open. No, Moses, take that rod and with it do signs and wonders. And as he waved the rod, over the water, the Bible says the water split left and right. And they walk through as on dry ground. Did did, did Moses have to like get a massive bucket and start emptying, emptying the sea? Or did he just take a small foolish looking step? That ensured God's intervention to do the rest and do the impossible. You do what is possible and God is going to do what's impossible. You do what is easy and God will do what's hard. You do what is seemingly inefficient and God will do and bring to pass great efficiency in what you need done on the earth. So let me get into my message before I get like totally carried away in that. How do you increase your, your your faith? Well, first of all, you need to, first and foremost, you have to attribute value to faith if you're going to take steps to increase your faith. If you don't attribute any value to faith, you're not going... Going back to that fitness uh, example before. If you don't attribute value to physical fitness and health and a strong body, you're not going to go to the gym. If you don't attribute... Uh, value to healthy eating and diet and nutrition, you're not going to, when you're at the grocery store, put the frozen pizza away and buy the broccoli. You need to learn to attribute value to something before you're going to take steps of investment into that thing. So why should we value faith? I'm going to go through what I've written down 10 reasons why you should value faith. number one salvation is by faith. Why should we value why is faith valuable and why is faith uh, an asset of inestimable value? number one, you were saved by faith. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 it is by grace that you are saved through faith. By grace through faith are ye saved. It is not of works. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 that we have peace with God and are justified by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have peace. I can put my head to the pillow tonight knowing that if the rapture of the church were to happen while I'm sleeping, I'm not staying behind. I'm going up. Because I have peace with God. Why? Because these things have been written so that you may know that you have eternal life. The word of God assures me that I have eternal life. How? John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should what? Believe on him. Should not perish, but should have everlasting life. I know that if Jesus were to come back right now or at the age of 100, I die and go home to be with the Lord. I am not. I don't have to at 99 years old on my deathbed or 100 years old have to wonder, man, I really have to get right with God. No, I know. I've believed. I've repented. I don't live in sin. I've hidden his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. I, I'm living a holy life empowered by his holy spirit i know that i'm saved by fi- by grace through faith so number one you should value faith because it's the thing that got you saved and keeps you saved and guarantees you're going to make heaven which is the number one objective of every christian so without faith you're going if you have no faith you ain't gonna make heaven the bible says if jesus didn't rise from the dead our faith is futile and useless and we are of most men, of all men, sorry, most to be pitied. If Jesus, 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we, our faith is futile, it's empty, there's no substance to it, and we're of all men, most to be pitied. Number two, you're healed by faith. Mark chapter five, the woman with the issue of blood came to Jesus, pressed behind the crowd, for she said within herself, If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be healed. Not I hope I will be healed. I know I'm going to be healed. I've settled this in my heart. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can connect with the power of God. Think of the word of God as the hem of Jesus' garment today. Because obviously Jesus is not physically walking around the earth today. He's seated at the right hand of God. So you can't locate him and touch the hem of his actual garment. But remember, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord and the train of his robe filled the temple and the glory of God filled the whole temple. God's word is the train of his robe today, where if you'll hold on and seize and take hold by force that word, then you'll see the same healing power flow through you. What did Jesus do when he discovered that? That lady that had touched the hem of his garment. Did he rebuke her? Did he say, hey, have you been around those hyper faith preachers? You should really be careful who you watch. You know, these people preach that if they'll just believe all things are possible to him that believes. Those foolish people, they're they're deceiving and misleading my people. No. What did Jesus say? Daughter, go in peace and be whole of your affliction because your faith has made you whole. Faith carries within it the capacity to make you whole, physically. Second Kings chapter 5, the scripture talks about... Uh, and by the way, that woman with the issue of blood had struggled for 12 years, having suffered at the hands of many physicians and was no better. She only grew worse. Because if you do things man's way, there is a way. I'm not saying doctors are bad. Doctors, I love doctors. I agree. You know, I thank God for doctors because if it wasn't for doctors two-thirds of the body of Christ would be dead before their time. Thank God God has anointed doctors in that field to keep people alive. But ultimately, there are certain things doctors can't achieve. If you're paralyzed and in a wheelchair, there isn't a doctor to this day that, that will be able to lift you up out of that wheelchair. If you're stage four, like there was a lady in Saskatchewan Stage 4 brain cancer, given a year to live, uh, and told her chemo won't even do you any good, pretty much. Like, you can do it, you can, you can do it, but that's not what's going to help you. There's like a 99.5% chance you're, you're going to die, even with chemo. And what did she do? She heard from the Lord. Right in that moment, when the doctor gave her that terrible news, she something sprang up in her spirit. Don't worry. I'm gonna heal you, but it didn't stop there because that's not what faith is. She then came to a meeting when we were in Saskatchewan in November, and I began to preach on Christ the Healer, and the church coincidentally was named Christ the—that's what the name of the church is, Christ the Healer. Pastor Terry Severson, a great man of God, out in Saskatchewan, and um, as she was hearing these words, you can see—I—I—you know—I'm a preacher, so I'm—I'm I'm seeing everybody's. Facial reactions to what I'm saying. I see people like giving me (laughs) their eyebrows like, ah, you sure about that? And I see other people that um, are just nodding their head the whole time. (laughs) Then I see people that are, you know, they came in sad and they're starting to get happy. And then I see people that have seized that word and the power of God's on them. And they begin to just weep in their seats because the power of God's uh, is just enveloping them. And totally, uh, they're saturated in it. And so that's what happened to that girl. And I said, lady, get up. I'm not going to wait to the end of this. You know, just like in Acts chapter 14, a man at Lystra listening to uh, Paul preach, and he had faith to be healed, did, uh... look, Trevor Mintz. I saw her on Sunday. She looks great. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. She, she, I I saw that she had faith to be healed. Paul saw that man in Lystra who had faith to be healed. He didn't finish his sermon. So, So many people, Pastors, they get up with a sermon, and the end goal in their mind is to finish their sermon. Remember this, if you're a minister listening to me right now, the end goal of preaching is not to finish your three points and your poem. The end goal, the the result, the objective to preaching is to usher in God's presence by His Word to see people restored, delivered, and set free. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me not to finish my sermon. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me to release the captive, to set free them that are oppressed, to heal them that are brokenhearted, to give recovery of sight to the blind and to declare the favorable year of the Lord. So I stopped my sermon, called her out and I said, Lift your hands as you do. The power of God shoots right through you. power of God hit her strong right then then and there. She, you know, that was it. You don't ever see things right then and there unless it's like, you can't. It wasn't like we had an MRI uh, scanner to put her under right then and there. But you can tell something hit her, man. If I've ever seen uh, an uh, outward manifestation of God's glory hitting someone, that was it. One of, that probably is the greatest miracle I've ever, like physical healing miracle I've ever seen in my own, in my own, min, in our own ministry. So uh, she goes, you know, she, she, I don't know if she fell or whatever. Who cares if you fall? Who cares if you shake? Ultimately, it's if the power of God is on you and there's some, and there's faith alive in you, something's going to happen. So she goes back to her seat after. The next week, I get a report from uh, the pastor of the church that you know she's like glowing you can tell some her skin because you know when you have cancer like that your skin color starts to change especially because of chemo and stuff you start to get pale you don't look healthy you look you look ghostly and that's how she looked um two months later so that's november or end of october so this is like the end of december i'm in florida enjoying the sun i get a call from the pastor hey I need to. Um... Hey, Jaslyn, thanks for joining me on YouTube. I get a call from the pastor telling me, uh, "Remember that lady you prayed for? Well, she went to get a CAT scan. Now, I took a picture. My wife took a picture. Thank God she took a picture of me praying for her. She was on the top of the uh, the mezzanine in the church, and she took a picture of me praying for her. So, thank God I have that. I have that recorded. I have it." in our archives, documented. and um, He calls me and says she, she went to get an MRI, she had her like regular two months checkup or something last week and she got her uh, MRI scan back. Doctor said she the tumor is gone and there's zero cancer in her body anymore and he doesn't know how. And he, he, he said these words, this is not the kind of cancer that just goes away. This is not the type of cancer that just vanishes into thin air. If it does get better, there's a slow, steady progression. But it never just leaves. And that thing was gone. And so she went and testified on the Wednesday night service, testimony service they have at the church. And you can, I watched it, you can tell. She's different. She's healthy. She's vital. She looks she looks strong, stronger than when I saw her, man. And it's not like, you know, it's, it was stage four, and now it's down to stage one. She, it's like a totally new person. You know what the Bible says? When the spirit of God came on Saul, he turned into another man. When God's spirit comes on you as you press in and lay hold of him by faith today in his word, I tell you that spirit is going to turn that situation around and he's going to turn you into another man. The Bible is a catalog of people that have laid hold of the eternal life of God, and their situation was flipped in their favor. I tell you in the name of Jesus, whatever sickness, whatever cancer, whatever disease has stayed in your body longer than one millisecond, has overstayed its welcome today by faith, I declare and I decree that thing gets extracted and cut off your life forevermore. And it's established right now in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. Healing by faith. Number three. We have victory by faith. I read it before. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Victory. General victory. You know, the 2 Chronicles 20 story, which I've said often on this broadcast, because it's one of my favorite. And I love it. it. It just generates energy in me. Faith comes alive when I read that story of the people of God under Jehoshaphat's rulership. They have Mount Seir, Ammon, and uh, the Amalekites come against them. Three armies conspired to wipe out the people of God from the earth. Made it a point. Israel is going to get annihilated, and we're going to get it done. What does Jehoshaphat do? He feared But then set himself to seek the Lord. And when he did that, the Spirit of God came upon Jehaziel the prophet. And he began to declare, don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Faith will eradicate fear in you. Faith will expel fear from you. Fear brings torment. Fear paralyzes. Fear captures and retains and arrests a man from fulfilling his God-ordained potential. Faith breaks you free from those chains. The first thing, angels, when they came to a man to deliver a message, the first thing that en- exited their mouth was don't fear. Don't be afraid. Mark chapter 5, Jairus' daughter is dying. He comes to Jesus. Come and lay your hands on her. I know she'll live. She'll be healed. She's sick, but she's dying. But if you'll lay hands on her, she'll be healed. He goes, gets distracted on some other things, the woman with the issue of blood. Then... What happens as he's finished dealing with, uh, the woman with the issue of blood, he moves towards Jairus's house, continues his, his journey towards there. And people from Jairus's house meet, meet Jairus on the way and say, don't trouble the teacher any longer. Your daughter's dead. No point in get bringing him. You know, I'm sure he has a busy schedule. You know, one thing you need to understand about God is he's not too busy for you. God is not p- too busy for you. He's the omnipresent God. He's the, omnis- the omni- uh, um- uh, omnipotent God, and he's the omniscient God. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's everywhere at once. He's not troubled by your needs. Quit thinking that God is troubled by what you have need of. The Bible says very clearly, Thou, O Lord, will bless the righteous, and with favor you're going to surround him with, as with a shield. The Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and I don't forget his benefits, the way he helps me. He heals my body. He forgives my sin. He redeems my life from the pit. He crowns me with steadfast love and compassion. James 1.17, everything that's good, everything that's perfect comes down from above. God desires to give you good things. He desires, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack anything. He loves to meet your needs and he loves to fulfill your holy desires. The Bible says in Psalm 37 4, delight yourself in the Lord and then be at ease. Don't bother him. You know, be happy that you're making heaven. No! Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. If you desire to be healthy, that's a good desire. And God's going to give you the desire of your heart. If you desire to be out of debt, that's a good desire. Debt's not a sin, but debt is a weight. And the Bible says we're to lay aside every sin and weight that entangles us. And God will give you that desire as you're faithful to his kingdom. So don't think God is too busy. That, you know, there's certain, certain children. God doesn't have favorites. There's not certain, you know... Well, they're in the ministry. That's why things work. For... No. Was David was David a, 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 a preacher? No, he was a king. Was Abraham a preacher? No, Abraham was a, a, a cattle rancher. He wasn't a preacher. He ranched cattle. He was a farmer. And yet the Bible says, God told him, I'll bless you. And I'll make your name great. And in you, I'll bless the whole world. And the Bible says we, by faith, are children of Abraham and heirs of what God promised Abraham. Recipients of the blessing of Abraham. So stop thinking God's God's God doesn't have enough time for you. He doesn't even dwell in time. Time is something man understands, but God dwells above time. He's the eternal God. The only thing... Keeping you from that breakthrough is you haven't what Jeremiah 33, 3 says. Call unto me. Call unto me. Do you notice how it doesn't say stop bothering me? (laughs) Do you notice how God didn't say keep your needs to yourself? I got other things to do? No. The complete opposite. Call unto me. God, if you can have a picture of God like this, it'll do you a lot of good. That he's not in the heavens while angels are like have like a palm tree branch, and they're just air conditioning him while they feed him grapes, and he's not to be bothered by any... No, that's not how God is. I, I almost picture God as at the edge of his throne with his hand out saying, Just grab it. Just grab it. Call unto me. Ask of me, and I'll give you. Call unto me, and I'll show you great and mighty things which you never even seen. What I has not seen. What ear has not heard, what has never entered the heart of man, the Bible says God has prepared for you. It's a religious devil that tries to convince you that God is busy. It's a religious devil. It's it's poor, selfish-rooted theology. You know, ministers that teach, you know, it doesn't matter if God ever does anything for us. You know, ultimately, we need to be grateful for what he's... Yes, we should be grateful for what he's done. But, you know, if you have a mother that's widowed, and she has three children, and she's coming to a, a, a church because she needs breakthrough in the air of her mind. She's depressed, held down by chains. And then the preacher gets up and says, it's not about joy in this life, it's about joy in... What?! It's selfish. You know, I don't know why. Because I guarantee you, most of those ministers that talk that way, things are pretty good for them. They don't have financial needs. They don't have, you know, people say, why is it that in Africa, there's so many more miracles than in America? Is is it because there are more simple people? No. Some of the most brilliant brains have come out of Africa in recent times. Brilliant entrepreneurs and the greatest preachers on earth. Has nothing to do, oh, they're more. No, it has nothing to do with that. Does it have anything to do with, well, you know, they don't have a lot of money? No, it has nothing to do with that. They're less sophisticated folk. Absolutely not. You know, they're human beings. People are so dumb in their religious traditions that they, they don't even care about people. I know some of the most sophisticated Africans, great, diligent, excellent people that I make it a point to be around, to listen to continually. There's nothing to do with that. You want to know why? They, You have miracles there, and in America it seems like you have to pull teeth to get one. Sometimes, not everywhere. There are great churches here too. But some places, it's like you have to blow through a wall before you can even convince people that... And you know, you come into church because you're a Christian, meaning you believe God raised Jesus from the dead. Why should it be difficult to believe or understand That if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can heal that migraine headache. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, if God can raise Lazarus from the dead, then surely he can heal that stubbed toe. Surely he can heal that that broken arm. Surely he can heal that depressed mind. So why is it a difficult concept? Anyways, why is it that in Africa they they seem to have more miracles? It's because they don't have alternatives. A lot of places, they don't have an alternative. And the preachers, a lot of them, started at that place of no alternatives. And so they know what it feels like to have nothing. They know what it feels like. You know, David, Oy- David Oyedepo, the ch- the founder of the Living Faith Tabernacle, Winner's Chapel International. A man that if you look behind here, there's a lot of books by him. I read him, I study him, I study his content. Because he has a church that is a 50,000-seater in... The bush of Lagos, Nigeria, like northeast or northwest of Lagos in Ota, Nigeria, which before was like the bush. Nobody went there. It was like a safari. And he, God told him to plant a church there. He built it, 50,000 cedar, and has sometimes almost three to 400,000 overflow people outside of the church. And he has five services a day. So he'll have sometimes on a Sunday over a million people attend that church. Maybe he's worth following. So, that guy, when he was, I don't know, 16, 17, he had tuberculosis and was given over to death. God healed him, and then he sent him to preach. And so now, when he preaches on healing, he doesn't have some stupid religious cliche statements. How many of you know there's more important things than health? Better things to gain and worse things to lose. No! No! Because he's been at the door of death and he knows what it feels like to have something in you where you're like, I know I have a great purpose. I know God's planned something for me. I know the thoughts God has for me. I know it's not for me to have my life cut short at 17 years old. And then the doctor tells you your life's going to be sh- cut short at 17 years old. So what is he, what was he forced to do? To pick up this book and begin reading and studying to show himself a proof And then you begin to read that there's been a lot of Hezekiah, Isaiah 38. Isaiah comes to him and says, you're going to die. Get Get your house in order. You're not going to survive this sickness. What does he do? Well, there's worse things to lose and better things to... No, he turned his face to the wall and he began to beat his chest in desperation. God... Remember how I've served you my life. Remember your covenant, O Lord. Remember what you told Abraham, that you'll bless him and make him great. Remember your covenant. I put you in remembrance of your word. And what did that do? God said, "Is Isaiah, go back to Hezekiah. Tell him I've added 15 years to his life. And he died an old man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Victory by faith. I don't know if I'm going to get through all this today because I want to keep it to an hour today just because it's our first one back and I know if I don't keep it to an hour, we'll we'll probably go to, we'll be here till 9 p.m. So, you know, Jesus said, you're greatly mistaken and cheated out of your reward because of it, because you know not the scriptures Neither do you know the power of God. Neither do you know the power of God. You don't know the scriptures. My people are destroyed because they don't have knowledge. My people have gone into captivity because they lack understanding. Not because there's a great devil and not because there's a God who doesn't want to help. It's because they have no knowledge. The Bible says in Daniel eleven thirty-two. They that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. If That's what faith is. Faith is knowing God. Not only who Jesus is. Because a lot of people, you know, I went to a secular college once upon a time. And I went through a humanities course where they talk about religious leaders and stuff. And they talked about Jesus. He was a prophetic uh, man, he was a leader, he was a teacher, he was. He claimed to be the Son of God. They know who Jesus is, and there's a lot of Christians who can quote you. We we know who Jesus is, yes, he's the Son of God, he's part of the Divine Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Uh, he was born of a virgin, lived 33 and a half years, three and a half years of ministry, he healed the sick. There's a lot of people who know that, they can recite it, they can quote it. But has it descended from here into here you know why jesus when he cursed the fig tree it withered at the root do you know why it worked for him because he first conceived in his heart before he released it out of his mouth. He conceived that miracle in his heart. He conceived, he he saw it in his heart, that fig tree withering, before he released it out of his mouth. Uh, The words, confession that is not backed by heart-rooted conviction of God's word is empty and futile. Confession that is not backed by heart-rooted conviction of God's word is empty and futile. It has to be birthed here. And then forcefully declared before it it affects change. So I'll stop on victory by faith. You can read in Daniel chapter 3, another story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were told to bow to the golden idol that was set up of Nebuchadnezzar and every other Israelite bowed their knee. They were the only ones that stood up and said, we'll never bow. What happened? What happened after that? Did things get better for them or did things initially get worse? Initially got worse. Nebuchadnezzar heard of it, brought them before him and said, is it true that you haven't bowed when the song was sang? You didn't bow your knee to my my golden altar? Yeah, it's true. And then you know what they did? They didn't just stop there. Yeah, it's true. You know, and uh, here's the reasons why. No, they said, let it be known boldly, answered back. You know, Jesus, when addressed, he addressed the fig tree. The Bible says he replied to the tree. He spoke to the tree. When the devil opens up his mouth and says, You can't get it. You can't. You'll never have it. You'll never be healthy. You'll never recover. You'll always be in that state. Don't just sit down quiet. Do like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Hey, you're going to burn in a burning fiery furnace. Really? They answered back. Let it be known, O king. Even if you heat it seven times hotter, I will never bow and my God whom I serve he's not only able he will deliver me and what happened did God look down from heaven and say whoa that is some strong assertion you're making where in the Bible did I ever promise that Shadrach Meshach and Abednego you know you really got yourself into some deep waters this time or did God say the, no, no, God didn't even have to say anything. The Bible says when they tossed them in, Nebuchadnezzar looked over and he saw four men. He said, Didn't we bind three men? How is it that there are four men dancing, praising God in the furnace? The fire was so hot it killed the people that threw them in. And yet, those four men, those three, are marching around in circles, lifting their hands. Sir, just praising God. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. And the Bible says there was a fourth man that stood in the furnace with them. You know, when you stand in faith, the Bible says, if you'll stand fast in the faith and resist the devil, establishing the word of God, the Bible says God himself will stand with you. And when God enters a place, when God his presence is ushered into a place. He'll make even a fiery furnace feel like an air conditioning unit. And the only thing that fell off them that day was the ropes that bound them. I tell you, in the name of Jesus, everything the devil's done for you, let me pray for you right now. I feel strong to pray right now. Anything that the devil's done to you, your children, I feel like there's a mother here. You're, you're standing in the gap for your child. Man, I feel this so strong. And your child has been battling all sorts of things. Doctors have given up. They don't even know what it is. Trying to give him pills, saying you might have to live off these. And he's not a young, he's not an old child. It's a very young child. I tell you in Jesus' mighty name, God will take care of him, of that child, boy or female, doesn't matter. God will take care of that child right now. I see the chains of death and harassment being snapped off that child right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. You've stood in the gap. You've stood fast in the faith. And you've refused to waver. And now you receive your reward. In Jesus mighty name. Receive that now. For the rest of you. In Jesus name I pray. As the shield of faith is set up over your life right now. As you make an investment, I know I didn't get into how to increase your faith, which I'm going to do on Thursday. But as you do take an investment, as you've done today by tuning into this broadcast, I pray, not just any faith, the faith of God will rise up in your heart. Every mountain shall be leveled as you learn to release that faith. Every valley shall be filled. Every chain shall break. Every crooked place shall be made straight every rough path shall be made smooth God will make a way for you where there is no way the scripture says there's no problem that has come upon you such as is common to all men and our God shall make a way of escape if you don't grow weary or give up God is going to make that way of escape right now in the name of Jesus Christ it's going to come from an in an unconventional way, and it's going to come from an unexpected source, but God is going ahead right now to make that way for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Faith is the victory. I declare, and I release that victory over your life, victory in the area of finances, victory in the area of your health, victory in the area of sin, victory in the area of of, of your mental health and 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 and, and, and your mental strength. Victory in the area of your marriage in the name of Jesus Christ. Anywhere the devil has lifted his ugly hair, ugly head, to try and suppress and subdue in Jesus' name right now, he backs off. Not by might, not by strength, but by the spirit and the blood of Jesus that speak for you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're watching right now and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never had a time in your life where you can literally go back to right now where you've stood before a holy God and you said, Lord, I'm done doing things my way. I turn to you. There is a way that seems right unto men, but that way leads to death. But there's another path in life that is a a narrow way, but it leads to life. And if you'll turn back on your old, that sinful lifestyle, turn back on those things which do not please God, the Bible says, if you'll repent and believe, times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. God wants to refresh you today. God is a very present help in time of trouble. God is a refuge for the oppressed, the Bible says, and a strong tower to run to in times of need. But if you just know about that God and don't take a step towards him, you'll you'll be helpless. The Bible says if you'll draw near to God, God will not ignore you. He will draw near to you. Draw near to God today. Maybe you have done that once upon a time, that decision to follow Christ. But recently, you've kind of been like an up and down type of person. You live, you you know, you're in church in the word, living hot. A month, two months, three months, four months. But then it seems like you break down. And then you're back to your old ways. Make today be the day that you recommit, rededicate your life to God. And I tell you, God will put something in you where gone will be the days of ups and downs. You're gonna be an up and up Christian from today onward. In Jesus' name, my God, by his spirit, will strengthen you to be holy, to be pure of heart, to set and fix your eyes on things above from this day onward. You won't be a distracted, double-minded Christians today. Make it a choice. Make you know the Bible says, "Choose ye this day whom you will serve." And I guarantee, you, when you choose God, God said, very clearly, all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. You won't even have to try to be blessed. You'll just be blessed, just like before in sin. You couldn't. You didn't have to try to be cursed. Things just didn't work out. When you hook up with God, you don't have to try to be blessed. Things just work out. That's been my life. It's the life of many of you watching. And I pray it's going to be your life from today onward. Pray this with me from the depths of your heart. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for sending your only son to the cross so that I can receive adoption into your family. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth today, January 19, 2021, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. I repent of my old ways. I turn away from my old life. Forgive me of my sin. And now, Make me a new creature where old things pass away and everything becomes new. I will follow you. I will do what you call me to do. I will be who you call me to be. I'll say what you call me to say from this day onward. Heaven is now my home and I'm going forward ever, backward never. In Jesus' name amen. If you prayed that prayer, I would love for you to go on salvationnow.ca SalvationNow.ca. www.salvationnow.ca. Let me put it in the comment section and uh, click. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. I want to hear from you. I want to send some material to you free of charge. Uh, I want to get it into your hand. It's a Bible and a few other things that will really help you out free of charge. We pay shipping, handling, everything. You don't have to worry about any of that. And uh, that's that's my way of welcoming you into the family of God. And also, if you don't attend a church, find a good Bible-believing church where the presence of God is in manifestation. How do you know God's presence is manifest? Number one, His Word is being preached. Number two, the presence of God is there because there are miracles happening. They shouldn't have to look back 18 years to discover the last miracle that's happened at your church. (laughs) Shouldn't have to pick up the archives of the church and go back to 1907, the last move of God. You'll know God's there when, number one, His Word is being preached. Number two, people are being saved. Number three, miracles are happening. And plant yourself in that church. Those who plant themselves in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of God. Also, if you would like to give today, you can do so going to salvationout.ca slash give. I want to thank you in advance for giving. I appreciate every single one of you that have partnered with us. You can do so on a partnership level where you partner on a monthly basis or maybe, uh, I don't know, bi-yearly, twice a year, whatever you want. You can do so. Uh, You can do a one-time gift. Salvationout.ca. I'll put that up. I have to get that marquee to stick up longer. But slash give. Salvationout.ca slash give. And I want to thank you in advance. Remember, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? Because when you give, Jesus said, it shall be given unto you. Your sowing into the kingdom of God will it expand your financial resources even further. I know it makes no sense to the natural mind, but remember, to the natural mind, the things of God are foolishness. The scripture says there's one who scatters what he has and it increases all the more. There's one who withholds what he has and it leads only to further poverty. So the laws of, the principle of giving as found in the Bible is the more you give, sacrificially towards soul-winning ministries and towards the church and towards the advancement of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, as you give, it will be given back to you. In so doing, it'll expand your ability now to give more and to help more so that the next time a need arises, not only in your own life, but in people around you, you don't have to say, I'll keep you in prayer. You're now empowered financially to bless the needy. To help them that are in need. To not hide your eyes to the cause of the poor, but to give. And remember, when you give, the Bible says, Proverbs 3, 3, 9 and 10, if you'll honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your increase, He will fill your barns with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, obviously, we don't have barns And Unless you're a farmer, but most people I think watching right now are not farmers. The Bible says that he'll fill your barns with plenty. You might not have a barn, but really think of it as your bank account. He'll increase your bank account supernaturally. You won't even know where it comes from. Just like when Elisha said, dig the valley full of ditches and water will show up. You won't even know where it comes from. And what did they do? They dug it and without wind, without rain, without any type of exterior convenient circumstances water was filling was filling those ditches in the days of famine Isaac the Bible says there was a drought in the days of Isaac a famine hit the earth Philistines were trying to dig wells nothing was working but Isaac who the Bible says was a tither and he gave towards the kingdom the Bible says when he sowed in that same year he reaped a hundredfold the Philistines envied him because of it God wants to do the same for you and raise you up financially to be someone who backs the kingdom of God on a regular basis because the day is shortening the days are shortening day the day of the Lord is at hand and I don't want to be one who my greatest investment was in a flat screen TV I want my greatest investments and we just we've sold our largest seeds uh... at the end of 2021 uh, 2020 that we've ever sold and I was so happy doing it it wasn't like man I can't believe Should we really give this much? You know? No, I, let's do it. Why? Because you can never put God first in giving and finish last. You, If you withhold, that's when things go bad. But when you give generously, obviously I'm not saying put yourself in debt. That's not smart. But if you'll give above and beyond what your mind is telling, usually your mind is not a good uh, litmus as to what you should give. Bible says, let each man purpose in his heart what he should give. And when you do that, he who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. And I pray that as you sow today, God will multiply and increase that seed and pour you out of blessings so much so there won't be enough room to hold it all in. In Jesus name. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Maokanji or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca God bless you and until next time.